Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyral and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. And now, today's message, Beware of Ravenous Wolves. Open up your Bibles. I, I want to start really quickly, and I didn't plan on sharing the scripture, but I think I will. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Let's stop right there. Because the difficulties that come have their foundation in this one matter here the love of self. And what we see in the world today is just a free-for-all where everyone seeks their own. It's kind of like how Paul says in the scripture, all seek their own. Or in the book of Judges where everyone did what was right in his sight. The, the, the moral climate in this world, the moral standard that exists in the world today really has everything to do with what you can get for yourself, how you can seek your own. And so it says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. That's the other thing, right? So it's not just lovers of self, but lovers of money, where everyone is trying to, to, to make their push to get what they believe belongs to them, as though somehow riches and wealth is the right to every human being. And honestly, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where that's true. That being said, there are other virtues that, other, that, that human beings ought to walk in, and it's called the commandments of God. These are things that are for every human being. However, it says there'll be lovers of self, lovers of men, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. You see that all over the, 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 the Western world right now where, where people are, are revolting against their own parents, and it's happening every single day. Um, so, so you have ungrateful, unholy unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Imagine that. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That speaks to the idea. It's, it's, it's like you, you can find people like this in church where it's like they, it's not that they don't love God or it's not that they don't have an outward expression of loving God. It's just that they love themselves more. They're loving their pleasures more, holding on to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Now, from what I understand in the scripture, it tells us directly what to do about people who fit this category. It says to avoid such men. And so I was sitting up just, just thinking about a lot of what's going on in the church and, and really praying for the church, which I do uh, often, praying for the church, the body of Christ. It's something that, that in my mind, and I, I believe if you're an intercessor, if you're a prayer warrior, you ought to have a heart for the body of Christ, a heart for the people of God. It's, it's, a, it's an urgent thing, right? So, so when, I, when I look at this, I realize that even, even in the scripture here, if you look at verse 4, it says, From among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses. Even in the scripture here, it tells us that the problem does, for the church doesn't necessarily come from outside of our walls. 
The issues that the church deals with often come from within our walls, which means that we have with uh, uh, among us people who are going to operate to the detriment of the church by leading people in a way that they should not go. Now, it's, it's urgent that we understand that if the church is to be saved, and yes, that was my prayer earlier today. I'm not sure if you were able to hear when, when I was praying, but it was in the, in the context of the idea of save the church. Save the church. And what we're wanting in this day is for God to save the church. Somebody says, well, you know, what, what do you mean save the church? What does that even mean? The church is saved. Well, the, the church is saved. And the church is glorious and the church is powerful and the church represents that which brings God pleasure in the earth. But not everybody that comes to the building, not everybody that comes to the house church, not everybody that comes to the gathering at the conference is the church. There are many among us that are not the body of Christ at all. And there is a mandate that exists even to win them because God even loves them. I want to turn really quickly to the book of Matthew chapter 713. And it says, Matthew 713, it goes on to tell us the need in the church and, and what God wants us to do. He says here to his disciples, Jesus does. Enter through the narrow gate. Let's stop there for a minute. Enter through the narrow gate. This is not an entrance that just anyone can go through. This is a way that is not broad. It's a way that's not like everyone that you see around you, even amongst the brethren. It is a way that is not like everything you see in the body of Christ on social media. You would think that the church were just an extension of one's entertainment life if you look at some of what you see out there. And it says, enter in through the narrow gate, which means we don't have to look like the world. We don't have to look like even uh, the things that people do among the, among the brethren in the church. We don't have to wear the same clothes or listen to the same music. We don't have to entertain our minds and ourselves the same way. Somebody says, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just pray and read my Bible all day? Yes. Yes. And add to that reaching the lost, and add to that, feeding the poor, and add to that, being there for the suffering. Yes, do the Jesus stuff all day, every day. Yet there, there's, there's literally nothing at all that is wrong with following after the mission of Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and oh, the grace that is poured out upon the one who does such things, who enters through the narrow gate the way is broad, it says, that leads to destruction, and many are they who enter through it. So you can see here, Jesus says, there are a lot of people who enter in through that broad gate. There are many people who are among us. In fact, if you look around, it's probably the majority. In fact, it says here that many are they who enter through it. The gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, 
and there are few who find it. Few. Would we be one of those few? Would you be, would you be one of those few that, that actually find that way that leads to life? This walk that we walk in Christ is not something that we can it, it, you know, deceive ourselves into thinking that we can live a common life in order to receive an uncommon reward. If we are to walk as believers in Christ, if we are to do this thing for real, we must be uncommon. So do you spend hours in prayer every day? That would be uncommon, wouldn't it? Do you spend all of your time with your nose in your Bible, searching the scriptures, understanding more and more every day the mysteries of God, praying and interceding for the church, loving others? That, that would be that would be uncommon. There are men and women in the body of Christ today, today who live uncommon lives, and you can tell the difference in who they are. And many times they may not be your most popular people, but in heaven they are indeed. And we must be those people who, who live, live that walk. It says here, that difficult way that leads to, to, to life. See, it says difficult is the way which leads to life and few that find it or narrow is that way. Now we go on in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorns and bush, bu bushes, um, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. In this context, Jesus is still talking about false prophets. Every, it says here, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Here, he's actually talking about false prophets. In its context, he says, you know, you'll know them by their fruits. And then he goes on. He's still talking about false prophets. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I, I love this because he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, because our popular worship leaders say to him, Lord, Lord, our popular preachers and so-called prophets declare to him. Lord, Lord. And he says, not everyone that says this will enter the kingdom of heaven. Your sermon may be great. Your, your, your song may be beautiful. But that doesn't mean that they have God's approval. These scriptures are still in the context of being aware of false prophets. It says, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that practice lawlessness. See, we have to be careful that we're not drawing ourselves or as Paul admonished his, 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 his disciple. He, he, we, we can't be, we have to be careful not to draw unto ourselves or heap unto ourselves teachers. 
having itching ears, looking for our own desires and our own pleasure and using ministry as the tool to get what we want. Whenever we hear the message of the cross, it ought to be a new challenge to die to ourselves. It ought to be a fresh challenge to lay aside our own life. We should never walk away from the gathering of believers talking about what we're going to get for ourselves to spend it on our lusts. When we depart from the gathering of believers, we ought to be saying, Lord, I present my body a living sacrifice to you, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service. And I will not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. See, God, God is calling us to a different life, a peculiar life, a life that causes us to, to enter by that narrow gate, that narrow way. We're not called to be like everybody else. Now, I'm sharing that fact because in the middle of all of this that you see in Matthew chapter 7, it's as though false prophets, they, they, um, they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The reason why is because they feed off of those who come in through a broad way. That way that leads to destruction. Ravenous wolves love when people are lukewarm. They love people who are self-centered and self-motivated. They love people whose focus is on what they themselves want. False prophets would completely go out of business, I believe, if the body of Christ, if the average Christian who's sitting in a pews at a church, false prophets would go out of business if people would stop thinking about themselves. Our self-motivation gives fuel to the false prophet. Because that's how they come and tell you that you're going to get this and you're going to get that. The false, the ministry of the false prophet is, is like the replacement of the Psychic Friends Network from the 80s. Where they'd go on TV and they'd, they'd talk about how they could consult, consult spirits in order to get people what they want in life. Today's false prophets are doing the exact same thing, but they're not calling themselves psychics. They're calling themselves prophets. And it's everywhere. I saw, I saw something the other day where this person, this so-called minister who believes themselves to be a prophet, which they're, they're not. They're a false prophet. Um, they were teaching and instructing people how to open up their third eye. And this is on a circulation that reaches believers because, as I said before, people will come in and they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're pulling in extra things that are not in the scriptures and asking you to apply that to your life. And I want to I, I want to beg the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, depart from such people, depart from such nonsense, because it will only hurt you. I'm going to continue on. It says, therefore, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, remember, the scripture says, therefore, whenever you see the word, therefore, you, you understand that you have to now look back a few verses to see what what is what this is about. We don't start our sentence with the word, therefore, unless we said something before. Therefore, 
that is in the context of the teaching about false prophets and a narrow gate. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Not building your house on someone's false prophecy. Not building your house on, on someone's revelation that was offed, off. It says here, the rain fell and a flood came and a wind blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. And let me tell you something, when you really go through things in life, it is not the false prophecy that's going to get you anywhere. It is not the self-motivated word from the Lord, quote unquote, that is going to get, keep you established in tough times. Jesus says here that the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And if you're going to live as a Christian, these are the things that are going to happen in life. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. You're going to go through hardships and difficulties. And sometimes those things are going to hurt. But when your house is built upon the rock, when your house is built upon the word of God, the Bible, when we are focused once again on the Bible itself, you will not be moved. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I know everyone's crying out once once revival. They want revival. What they really want are better concerts and more exciting church services. But right now, I don't even think we can ask for revival because we wouldn't know what it looked like if it came. What we, what we need is a, a re-Bible. We need a Holy Ghost revival. We need to get back to the scriptures once again and see what they say. We need to search the scriptures. I'm tired of listening to people who say they got a word from the Lord, but they can't even find uh, uh, Obadiah in the Bible. Or who is Nahum? What's First Kings about? See, we have a lot of people saying they're hearing from God, but they don't have the foundation on the rock in order to even be in a place where they can hear what God is saying. It says here, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And there are many out there, many even that call themselves prophets whose houses are built on the sand. They themselves do not have a biblical foundation. They don't know their Bible. They don't understand the scriptures because they have not searched the scriptures, but they're trying to tell you what God is saying. Avoid such men. Avoid such women. Avoid them. It says, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You know, the thing is, the, the enemy, the, the trick of the enemy it's like it's his job. He takes it as his job to trick you into thinking that God is speaking. Let's turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It says here, um, and this is Paul on his way out on his missionary journey. It says here, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm teaching this. It's because I don't claim to be anything in the body of Christ. I claim to be nothing but a shepherd. That's it. I, I claim to be nothing but a shepherd. That being said, though, my enemy, if I am a shepherd, are the wolves. That's my, my personal enemy. 
And it says here, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, Paul says, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. See, these are people who indeed will trick you into thinking that God is speaking. And there's a scripture here, and I'm jumping all over the place this, this morning, but I want to share this scripture. There's a scripture here that says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I want us to understand this. This is why we have to enter into the narrow way. And it also means this is the reason why we have to get all of our self-motivation out of the way. Again, false prophets go out of business when our self-motivation dies. Again, false prophets and false apostles and false teachers and false shepherds and false evangelists or whoever they are. They go out of business when our self-motivation, our self-prioritization goes out the window. When we are people who say, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me, we ourselves have no use for a false prophet. We have no use for these, these false manifestations that we see. These false manifestations of the spirit that are, are designed to bewitch people and make them think that the person that is ministering and standing in front of them is somehow some, 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 some great superior person that has something spiritual that they're going to give you. And really, a lot of times it's transference of any, a, a myriad of different spirits that eventually you have to go to someone who is authentic before God and, and be delivered and freed from. It says here in, in, in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, it's, it's 2 Corinthians, it's not 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. It says here, it says, well, let's start at verse 12. But what I'm doing, I will continue to do so, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in a manner about which they are boasting. These are boastful men who want to be seen as apostles. That, that's, what the, that's what's happening here. There were men in Corinth who, who had these great swelling words once again, and they want to be seen as apostles just like Paul, just like Paul and his companions. And it says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And there are many in our day who are doing the exact same thing. They want to be seen as apostles, like Paul was an apostle, like Barnabas was an apostle, like Peter was an apostle. They want to be seen as apostles, and yet they're not apostles. They are false apostles. But he says here, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is no surprise if Satan's servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. When God was admonishing the Ephesian church, he says, you have tried those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. The ministry of the apostle is one especially where we have to be extra careful to scrutinize, to make sure we are not being deceived. And the only people who can do this are people who don't have this self-prioritization in their spiritual and Christian life. Be very careful when you're traveling through Facebook. 
Be very careful when you're traveling through YouTube. Watch out for social media, which gives voice to just about anything that you can imagine. Because these places are places where false prophets and false apostles, they sound off their voices and multitudes hear them and listen to them. And multitudes of, of self-prioritizing uh, self individuals will hear that and say, well, I need more money. I need a husband. I need a wife. I need a better job. I need my ministry to grow. I need my business to grow. And there is where the false apostles do their best work. It's for people who are self-centered. If we only let go of our self-centeredness and live and enter in through the narrow gate, we will put them all out of business. And the reason why is because a false prophet cannot minister to a person who prioritizes the Lord Jesus Christ who has died to themselves. A false prophet has no appeal to a person who says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. A false apostle has no appeal to a person that goes to God and says, I present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. A false prophet, uh, apostle or prophet cannot do those things. False teachers, false shepherds, it doesn't matter who they are. They have no appeal to the person who has died to self. All right, so again, what they do, wolves seek to devour you for their own personal benefit. How do you know a person's a wolf? They're trying to benefit off of you. I saw I, this, this same thing. This, this seminar where this person was talking about a third eye. I saw the price of this seminar. And it was $3,300 to be a part of a seminar so that you can know how to awaken your third eye and do other, several other different things that sound Christian. Um, they threw the third eye thing in there really quickly. The, the Bible does not speak about anyone having a third eye. That is completely unbiblical, and, um, and anyone who says anything like that to you, you need to get away from them. Do not listen to their teaching. That is a fair warning. Please do not do it. But it was $3,300, and I'll tell you why. Because wolves seek to devour you for their own personal benefit. While you're walking away thinking you've received something from God when really you've received demons, they're walking away with your money. And they're laughing all the way to the bank. They're buying their Bentleys and their Mercedes-Benz and living in their mansions while you continue your struggle of confusion throughout your life, needing deliverance from familiar spirits, witchcraft spirits, occult spirits, which is what these people are operating in. In fact, it says here that it did Satan's ministers transfer them, transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So, you know, many of the things that they're operating in come directly from Satan, directly from the adversary. And this is why we shouldn't be lifting up our hands and letting people put their hands on us all the time. There's a reason why God sends shepherds into the body of Christ, and we have to make sure that we utilize that. You want to get a word from the Lord? Read your Bible. Talk to your shepherd. Talk to the people God has placed in your life as spiritual leadership. And be sure that those people are sound. Be sure that those people are accountable. 
The body of Christ must be one and protected and cherished. But we can't be one and protected and cherished when everybody on YouTube is, uh, where, where the body of Christ is receiving from everybody they find on YouTube. This is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. All right, so these wolves go to trick you into thinking that God is speaking. That's their main thing. They want you to think that God is speaking. And so a few months ago, no, it's been a year now, I put out an article about are you sure that you're hearing from God? Like, how do you know you're hearing from God? And I think it's important that we just go over it really quickly again. Because, you know, may, maybe many of us have said things like the Lord told me or the prophet prophesied to me or, or things like that. Listen, we have to know that this is actually God speaking. Because sometimes we can be led by demons and we think that those demons are God especially if you're self-motivated. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. When an enemy wants to control you, when somebody wants to destroy you, the easiest way to do so is to just find out what it is you want, what it is you desire so badly. When they find out what you cherish, that's where they can get you. I believe it's Luke 12, 34, which says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Like if they can find out where your treasure is, they have access to your heart. Now, it's important that we understand that because this is where false prophets operate, in your want. And those wants will filter out, will, 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 it's like you'll lack the filter to know whether or not God is speaking when you have wants. You'll receive whatever you want because your entire life is governed by what you want, what you perceive yourself to need. And we have to be very careful that we're not listening to the prophets, even parking lot prophets outside the church, even well-meaning believers who are trying to prophesy to you, and it is not from the Lord. See, there has to be some order of accountability if we're going to say that we're hearing God's voice, and that includes when we're listening to the voice of people who call themselves prophetic or apostolic. You know, one of the scariest jobs that I can imagine is for God to say to someone to be their mouthpiece, his mouthpiece, and speak his words, and they must be 100% accurate. That's the job of a prophet. A prophet has to be accurate. And they, they have to cry out against the unrighteousness of their day. It says here in Deuteronomy 18.20, The prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of another God, even that prophet shall die. One thing I want us to be careful about with being a prophet is the presumptuousness that the word you've received is actually from God. We cannot be fast about this. These are things we must labor in prayer. We must labor in prayer and, 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 and seeking God and, and, and laying out before him before we assume that the voice that we hear in our head is from God. And listen, if you're living a life that is not in that narrow way, don't assume that the voices you hear in your head are from the Lord. Do not believe the voice in your head. Because if you're not walking by the narrow way, it could be anything speaking to you. Again, Jesus said, beware of false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing. They come as something that you may want, that you may welcome. 
See, there, there are many scriptures in the Old and New Testament that give fair warning to people about hearing God's voice. And you know what? It's like, you'd better be right. So not everyone who claims to hear from God is, is claiming to be a prophet. Some people are just, they're, they're just going to they're just say things to you that they believe God said. But even so, we still have to be careful because some people, it's like the, they say they're hearing from God. But in reality, whenever somebody says the Lord told me, you got to be very careful because a lot of times what they're saying is, I don't really want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to get corrected. I don't want to be rebuked. I don't want any of that. I just want you to know that God has said something. And they want their decisions affirmed. They don't want scrutiny. They want affirmation. But sometimes I've come to realize that scrutiny can be the safest place you can be. They don't want scrutiny, though. They want affirmation. Be careful to know that you're hearing. So, so here's, here's how we know. For one, is this word biblical? When you're hearing from God, is, is, is what you're hearing from the Bible? I really believe that most of what we should be doing in hearing from God ought to be uh, from the Scriptures directly. Um, if you want a word from God, there, there are 66 books right here that we can that we can use to hear from God every single day and it is 100% accurate. It's important that we read our Bible. And if you do feel like God is speaking to you, listen, it 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 must line up with the word of God. It must line up with the scriptures or you must throw it away. Again, there are people who are claiming to speak for God and have never heard the never read the scriptures. We need a Holy Ghost revival. They can't tell you about the minor prophets. You know, the, I'm not saying that prophecy is not real. Still, as believers, you, you have to know the scriptures of God before you can claim to know the voice of the God of scripture. You have to know the scriptures of God before you can claim to know the voice of the God of scripture. Again, you have to know the scriptures of God before you can claim to know the voice of the God of scripture. And this puts you in a humble place because no one can say that they can open up their Bible and they, they've got it all. None of us have the full counsel of God. None of us. None of us have the full revelation of God, even with reading our Bible. So to say that you're hearing from God is a very, very somber, urgent thing. You just got to wonder, you know, who, who is opening their Bible anymore, though? I know we're listening to music. One thing I, I said to someone just recently uh, about where we are here in Tulsa, and it, it, I'm, I'm sure it's true in most cities. It's not hard to get people to come to concerts, especially when there's big name uh, artists that are there. It's not hard to get people to come to conferences, especially when there's big name preachers there. But when it's time to just read your Bible and pray, this is where it gets difficult because people don't seem to want to do these things. It's like we love our music, but we, we, we can't live by Christian song lyrics. You know, it, it, Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. Don't get deceived. See, a lot of times we get deceived because we don't know the scriptures. False prophets love people. False apostles love when you don't search the scriptures. And your safe place, by the way, your safe place is the Bible. Now listen, if you are just a Bible believer, 
that is dying to self, and you're not operating in a whole lot of spiritual gifts and things. You are in a safer place than the person who has prophesied, cast out demons, and done miracles, but doesn't know Jesus. You're in a safer place. And I think that many of us need to find that humble place, that safe place, that, that, that secret place before God. Everyone is aggrandizing these days. Everyone is aggrandizing themselves. But what about those who find their, their place in the secret place? See, the prophecy that you get from anyone should point you to the scriptures. The revelation, the unctioning, the quickening that you get should make you open your Bible quick. Because it's a safe place. Prophecy should be affirmed by the scriptures, rightly balanced. I'll tell you what, when you receive a prophecy, it should be affirmed by the scriptures, rightly balanced. Prophecy should not appease your selfish ambitions. It says in the scripture, where there's envy and selfish ambition, there is confusion in every evil way. I think that's James chapter 3. Prophecy should exhort and edify and comfort. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Prophecy should not have a price tag attached to it ever. If someone is charging you for a word of prophecy, I don't care if you found them on Facebook, YouTube, or the Marriott Hotel. Listen, that is the devil. Stay away from such people. You know, and, and, and they may not charge. It may come in a form of, you know, they're, they're trying to get a love offering of a certain amount out of you. Beware of such people. They are prophesying to their own benefit. Not one prophet in Scripture operated that way. Not one. Not one apostle in Scripture operated that way. Don't believe these people. Get away from them. Secondly, so, so first is the word biblical. Secondly, am I living a life of self-service and service to others? This speaks to the state of your own self. Not the prophet, not the false prophet, but have you died to your own self? Are you a servant to the world around you through Jesus Christ? Have you found a way through the Holy Spirit to bless the world around you through the presence of Jesus in you? Are you actually operating and acting as a Christian believer? Because this means that you're, you're, your, own, your own spirit man is in a place where you're open to hear things that come from God. Because your own self-motivation has been, been diminished. Is it, is it just a, you know, can you trust yourself to hear clearly from the divine creator of the universe? Or is it just your imagination? You know, how do you know the difference? Will this decision bring glory to God? Does my life currently bring glory to God? See, who... Ask yourself, like, if, if you believe you're hearing from God or if someone has spoken over you something, right? Who, who are you serving specifically? Is there anything that you've actually put your hands to? Jesus said, if you put your hands to the plow and look back, you're not worthy to enter. You're not worthy to follow him, right? Where, where, who, who are you serving specifically? Are you engaged in the agenda of Jesus? And if you're not engaged in the agenda of Jesus, the only word from the Lord that you need is repent. There's nothing else except repent. If you're not engaged in the mission of Jesus, he is not concerned about your car. He is not concerned about your six-figure income, your next six-figure job. He is not concerned about whether or not you should buy a boat this summer. Get on mission. 
Repent and get on mission. That is the word of the Lord for you. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thirdly, have I aptly studied the scriptures? Again, and I, I keep on beating on this thing over and over again. But if you don't know the scriptures, how do you know that God is speaking at all? I don't care if a prophet is standing in front of you or, or, or you're sitting there in your prayer closet. There is no excuse for those who claim to hear from God, but have not studied the scriptures diligently and under accountability. There is no excuse for not studying the scriptures. There's no excuse, especially if you're telling other people or yourself, thus says the Lord. There's no excuse. Learn the Bible. Remember, we need a Holy Ghost revival. Search the scriptures. See, see, don't ask if your decision is based on the scriptures. Ask yourself if you actually know the scriptures as a whole. Don't just point out one verse and say, you know, this, this is the, the verse I'm basing it on. When you look at somewhere like the book of John or the book of Matthew or the book of Ephesians, those, the, the basic Bible unit is the entire book of the Bible. So you have to know what the entire book is about before you start pulling individual verses out of that book. You have to look at the context of what the entire book is saying. Search and study the scriptures. Then ask yourself, well, if I'm going to pull something from 1 Thessalonians, what exactly is 1 Thessalonians about? That's, that's how we begin to search the scriptures. All right. Can my word from God, this, again, this is another one here. Can my word from God be confirmed by two or three witnesses? I know the prophet spoke. I know that. But does this really line up with what, what in general, the body of Christ would would say, now these witnesses could be, be people. These could be mature people who, who, who know and love you and they're, 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 they're listening to what you're, you're saying. Sometimes people, even friends, will give an alarm, a sound, and you gotta, you gotta hear it. Witnesses, by the way, it's not just anybody. The word witness in the Greek is where we get the word martyr. And it's huge. It speaks of a person who has indeed seen and they've put their life on the line for it, so help them God. These are people as witnesses who know the Lord, who know Jesus. They are true witnesses, so help them God. I think you need to listen to those people. There's a scripture reference for that, by the way. If anyone's speaking in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course let one interpret. So, so even then, um, also First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians thirteen one says, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Um, it still speaks of the idea that two or three witnesses must uh, affirm that that something is actually true. Um, so, you know, you can't just get a, a prophet telling you something, thus says the Lord, and then you run with it, and it's not been affirmed at all by anyone. Be careful about that, especially when it seems as though it's self-motivated, because if it's self-motivated and self-centered, it's probably not a prophecy at all. All right, finally, the hard one. And that is, like, what, what do spiritual leaders, pastors, elders, church leaders think about what you're hearing? You know, you can go to a conference with, with 10,000 people, 10,000 people in a conference, and that prophet has laid his hands on you and prophesied over you, and then you go to your church where there are 10 people, like only 10. And in our culture, somehow we believe that the greater anointing is always on the one that has 10,000 people. But didn't we just read Jesus? He says, many people enter by the broad gate. Many. 
So you never compare the 10,000 to the 10 and think somehow the 10,000 must be right because they've got more people. That's a teaching that's gone forward in people uh, from ministries that, listen, my influence shows that God approves of me. It's, that's just not true. It's just not true. Unless you would conclude then that the Antichrist will one day have a successful ministry because the Antichrist is influential. See, this is a big one. Spiritual leadership matters. Often we act as though pastors and ministers are lower in priority and only there to affirm our preconceived conclusions. I am not here to affirm your preconceived conclusion. You can think you're hearing from God and I may disagree. I can't control your life, but I can give fair warning and will. Any pastor worth their uh, cloth ought to, ought to be the same way. Like, they're not going to control your life, but they need to give fair warning. Listen, you've been exposed to a wolf. Be careful. A preacher must be, uh, it says in Scripture, in, in Timothy, it says, preach the word. Be instant in season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where people will not endure sound doctrine. And there are many in the church because of their own selfish desires. It says, but after their own lust, because of their own selfish desires, they will not endure what is sound. They will not endure what is true. It's not exciting enough. It doesn't affirm their desires and their wants. It says, after their own lusts. Shall they heap to themselves teachers, false prophets, false teachers, false apostles? They stay in business because people are filled with their own lusts. If you get rid of your own lusts, if you are a living sacrifice before God, holy and acceptable unto him, listen, you will put them all out of business. They'll have to close down their YouTube and their Facebook because they'll have no more influence over a people who don't operate after selfish lusts. And understand that your pastor is instructed to protect you from ravenous wolves, false prophets, false apostles, even if they come from among the flock. Your pastor is instructed to do that. You know, I, I know this is hard because most people don't want scrutiny. They just don't. They want affirmation. And they'll use their prophetic friends network to accomplish this goal. Yes, the prophetic friends network. They'll just listen to other people who hear from God. And listen, that is literally the act of coming from undercover and exposing yourself to wolves. Will you be willing to listen if you're corrected? Are you capable of abandoning and rejecting that prophetic word if it is corrected? Are you capable of doing that? If so, you may very well be in position to hear from God. Very well. You know, you, you know, when, when spiritual leaders that God has sent into your life speak into your life, I'm telling you, it, it puts you off the hook of the decision that you're making. Now the burden is on a spiritual leader. Now God's burden is on a spiritual leader. It says here in, in Hebrews, it says that the spiritual leaders watch over your soul as one who must give account, Hebrews 13, 17. That's not speaking of the, the, the YouTube preacher. That doesn't speak of the conference preacher who's in town. It says that those spiritual leaders, those pastors, watch over your soul, those elders, watch over your soul as one who must give account. It says, see to it that they may do it with joy and not with grief. 
And I'm telling you, there are some in a body of Christ that when you look at the decisions they made saying that the Lord told them to, it brings nothing but grief. But it's not unprofitable to them. It's unprofitable to you. You. See, a, a pastor, a, a good pastor is not there to hold you back. The enemy of the shepherd, again, the enemy of the shepherd is the false apostle and the false prophet and a false teacher. The ravenous wolves that come from within and without. Shepherds, watch out for wolves. Shepherds will fight off and stave off wolves. That is the shepherd's job. The shepherd may not have a thus says the Lord. The shepherd may not pull people up out of a wheelchair. The shepherd may not open up blind eyes. The shepherd may not cast out every demon. But that shepherd will take care of those wolves. That shepherd will deal with the wolves. Now, there may be others in the congregation who do all those things I mentioned. But the shepherd's job is to watch over the flock of God. And if you don't have a shepherd, if you don't have a pastor after the heart of God that will watch over you, understand you're exposing your own self to the wolves. You're exposing your own self to the false prophets and false teachers and false apostles that look like Christians. You're exposing yourself to them. And they go after their own desire and they're seeking people who are after their own desire. And it's this disgusting and ugly marriage together that destroys people's lives. Finally, I offer no apologies for doing ministry the way we do. I used to always worry about winning the church to Christ and what that looks like. But I offer no apologies to looking at the Christian, the churchgoer, and offering that opportunity to be discipled into Christ Jesus and knowing him. I don't care who you are. Listen, if you're not in a position where you're being shepherded and discipled so that you can know Jesus, you're in a dangerous place. You're exposed to the wolves, and I am here to help you come out of that place because the times need to end where people are exposed to the wolves and being deceived. I've seen enough footage. I saw footage of a, a, a pastor who had people crawling around on a floor like sheep, bleeding like sheep, and, and running after the pastor everywhere he went on all fours. I saw another pastor who was literally picking people up and throwing them into the chairs, body slamming them calling it the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And how much footage do we need of pastors who are fleecing the sheep and taking everything they've got, taking their savings and, and all the money that they've got in order to aggrandize their own selves? And time doesn't even allow me the opportunity to talk about how so many that are false apostles and false prophets and false teachers and they're, they're sleeping with women all within a congregation, multiple, multiple sexual interactions with people right there, if you expect me to say nothing about such things, you're mistaken. We have to be aware of the false shepherds. We have to be aware of the false teachers, aware of the false prophets and apostles, because they will cause us to lose souls. We don't want not one person lost. We want people saved, loving God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and serving Christ. And listen, if you're not in a place where someone is actively helping you to do that, you're in a dangerous place. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray.
not for those who are in the church, but those who have not yet come to Christ. I ask in your name, Lord God, that that you help them to come to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. I pray for those who have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today be the day that they repent, that they repent and turn from sin and fall in love with Jesus. I ask in your name, Almighty God, for the church to come out of darkness and into light, that they come from out of the clutches of the demonic hordes that are trying to destroy people's lives. That they come out of the clutches of the ravenous wolves that come from inside and out. I pray for the shepherds, oh God, for the special grace to go to war against the wolves. To give a pushback against the demonic hordes that dress up as believers that dress up as apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But inside there are wolves looking to cause the sheep to bleed that feed off of the blood of the redeemed. I ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you shut them down. Shut down their influence. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And let all those that hate him flee before him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this morning. There's so much more to say. And we're going to talk about a lot more of it in the coming weeks. But I want you to know that everything that was said this morning is being said because of my love for the church. The love that God has put in my heart for the church of Jesus Christ. We are winning the church to Christ. And we're doing so because we love the church. We love the body of Christ. There's no other organism in the world that holds the answer to the fallen human condition. We love the church. And so I can only pray that God would empower that church all the more. I love you all. And I thank God for you. If you want to continue to support the ministry of First Love Fellowship, you can do so by going to wearefirstlove.com. You can go to wearefirstlove.com and you can just click the giving link there. You can also call the phone number. There's a 918 number. It is 918-300-4680. You can support us in that way also. Anything that you give will be used toward the furtherance of the gospel. And I thank God for all those who are able to give. We do indeed need your help in doing the work that we do. Because let me tell you, there's a big battle out there and it's got to be answered. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this uh, and you're not live, everything still applies. You can still support First Love Fellowship in, in the ways that I just mentioned. But in the meantime, thank you so much. We are indeed winning the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, unceasing prayer intentional discipleship and missional living god bless you i'm pastor niro until next time be blessed thank you so much for listening 
Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. Always remember your first love.